Welcome to Business is Good, the podcast all about what it means to be in business in the 21st century. Small and medium-sized businesses are the lifeblood of the UK economy, and globally they can and will have a huge impact on society, the economy and how we live our lives. From technology disruption to reworking a solution to solve the world's biggest problem, Business is Good is a podcast about what it takes to be successful and how every business defines that in different ways. Business is no longer just about being defined by what you do, but it's about giving back and redefining the problems and how we solve them in a way that works for you. I'm your host, Caroline Sumners, and I'll be giving you weekly inspirational stories from business owners who are building business and solving problems. In this episode, I'm talking to a very good friend and founder of Unlocking Potential, Gethin Jones. I've known Gethin a couple of years now, and uh, he honestly is one of the most truly inspirational and motivational people that I've ever met. He's got a truly fascinating story um, that shows you that no matter what circumstances you come from, how you approach it and the emotional intelligence that you apply to your life, if you can make the decision to change, then anything is possible. So who am I and what do I do? So, um, yeah, so I'm an inspirational speaker, trainer and coach, but I'm mainly now specifying working within prisons, charities and local authorities. And I train up and develop staff members. Yeah. Uh, so anybody works within working within the public sector, prison social workers, support workers, about how they can create meaningful human relationships for the men, women or children they're supporting. Uh, because what we kind of know is that fundamentally anybody within that system has been let down at some point by the system. Yeah. Whenever they meet a prison officer or another professional, they don't see the person, they just see the title or the uniform of kids. And what I always say is that it's not the system that rehabilitates, it's individuals that work within that. And we do that by creating meaningful human-to-human relationships. And for that to happen, we need to get people to see the person behind the uniform title or professional role. So that's what I do in that area. But I'll do lots more as well. Yeah, okay. So that makes sense. But how do you... How do you go about doing that? Because that's a bold statement. We get them to see the person behind it. Um, but how does, how does that work? How, does that, how do you even start to do that? Um, so I think it's within any business, isn't it? You kind of don't really know what your true skill or ability is until you start to kind of go through the journey of what it is that you do it. Uh, so what's happened is through the process is uh, I had no intention yeah, of working within the prison or public sector. I had no intention of that. <laughs> so you just uh, kind of, it just happened? It just happened, yeah. So, so what happened, I remember like, uh, so I was just kind of networking, yeah. I was networking, I was, I, was, I was in London. I went to this event in London and I met this lady called Annie Fox and uh, she was the CEO of a charity called Clinks. And I just told her a little bit about me and what it is I do, blah, blah, blah. And at that time, it was just being a professional, inspirational speaker. Yeah, I was just want to be this inspirational speaker. And she said, oh, you need to kind of have a little uh, chat with this lovely lady called Natasha Porter. And she had a program called Unlock Graduates. 
they now retained customer, by the way. I'm going to see them again tomorrow, which will be my third year in a row. Um, but anyway, so uh, I went off to do this presentation there. And when I've done the presentation, I was approached afterwards by this bloke called Paul Baker. And Paul Baker was what's called a prison group director. And he oversaw all of the prisons in the Thames Valley area. And then he's just turned around me, gone, Geffen, he said, I need you in every single one of my prisons. And then he said to me, he went, have you ever heard of the OMIC model? And OMIC is offender management in custody. And also they got another strategy called the rehab culture. And I went, no, I've never heard of them. He said, everything you've just spoken about is what they are all about. Yeah, so intuitively, I was fixing the problem. Yeah, but I didn't even know it. And then somebody heard me and said, you are the solution to all of our problems. And then as I've kind of then gone into the prison system and I start to see more of what their problems are and I've come out with other ideas, strategies and interventions, I just said, yeah, we need you to do that. Yeah, we need you to do that. And it's just rolled, rolled snowballed. So why why did you but what, what led you to that in the first place? What why why prisons? Why I mean, obviously I know a bit about your life, but um, and you can say as much or as little as you want. But um, what what led you to even think oh, I'm going to give up my job? Yeah, <laughs> my my you know stable job in the council yeah. and. Yeah. I'm going to just go out and do this. What, what was there a trigger point? What, what caused you to even sort of think like that? Because that takes a peculiar kind of thinking and, and person. And we've talked about this before, but what, 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 what was the kind of like, was there a turning point or did you just sort of suddenly think, right, I'm going to, I'm just going to go do it. Yeah, well, that's, that's another story. You maybe I love a story. Um, <laughs> but I had no intention of setting up a business. If you went back like three and a half, four years ago, no intention. Uh, then when I was in the council, there was this bloke who came in called Pravin, and he was been working in IBM. Yeah, and I've known Pravin for quite a few years, and he just came into uh, Port City Council doing some part-time stuff, uh, uh, which was in sort of one of the information teams. Then when I was chatting to him, he was just setting up a coffee shop, yeah, social enterprise as a coffee shop. And I was kind of talking to him, and I, and, and I was kind of getting an understanding of what it was he was doing. I thought, wow, that's great. I'd love to set up my own business. <laughs> and then I started to think, what kind of business would I set up? So straight away, I was like thinking, oh, maybe I'll do a tea room. Yeah, because everyone's doing coffee shops. I'll open up a tea room. Uh, and then... <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then, yeah, so I was going through this process. So what kind of business? I kind of had this, like, this urge that I needed to do something more. Um, and then what happened was uh, when I was at the council, I used to reduce and work with the, uh, the alcohol services, substance misuse services. And then what happened was a, uh, a pharmaceutical company got in touch with uh, my, my, my service and asked if I'd go and do a presentation at one of their uh, events. And I went there with another lady called Sue. Uh, they paid us like £600 to go up there to do this as well. We'd done it for an, on an area. It was all done by the ball. We spoke to the council. They were okay with it. Uh, but what they did yeah, right, was they flew us up to Birmingham. Yeah, right? Okay. And then we went to this Hilton Hotel. And we didn't just get a room. I got sort of like a corner suite. Yeah. And we also had like a VIP pass to go up and use this bar upstairs where there was all free food and drinking. And I was just like treated like a king. <laughs> I thought, wow, what? People get paid to do this sort of stuff, yeah? And then what happened was um, uh, I was then sort of like, uh, uh, they had sort of like an after dinner speaker. I sat down and listened to his after dinner speaker. And I've got my own history. I'll tell you a little bit about it in a minute. But I've got my own history. But I remember I was listening to this fellow and he was doing this talk. In my head, I'm like thinking, I could do better than you. I could do better than you. 
But I'm also aware that the ego is quite a bad thing, yeah? So I was like thinking, yeah, you're just getting yourself at it. And then at the end of it, there was the lady, Sue, that was with me, she knew about me, and she said to me at the end, she went, Geffy, you could have done a better job than that. And that was when it happened. That was when I had that light bulb moment and realised I'm going to be a professional speaker. Uh, and yeah, and then, you know, it just kind of went from there. And, and I believe, I'm, I'm quite spiritual, so I believe everything happens as it's meant to. And literally, I went back to the council and I thought, this is what I'm going to do. Started to do some investigating, getting on LinkedIn, finding other professional speakers, seeing what it was that they did. Um, and then what I did was I then thought I need more time to be able to do this. So I looked on sort of like the uh, intralink on Porter City Council um, and they had a part-time job, yeah, 16 hours a week as a deputy manager in a youth club. And I'll come back from a youth, youth, uh, youth background. And literally, the money was enough money to pay my half of the mortgage, my half of the bills, and give me some spending money. But more importantly, it gave me 16 hours a week to start to develop the business idea. And then literally, within six months, uh, I got to a point of having that many customers that I was able to take it full time. That's it. It's amazing. So do you just do speaking or do you do anything else? I mean, I say just do speaking, but, yes. you know, what, what's, the, what's the elements of the business and has that changed since you started it? Yeah, so yes, yes, it's 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 massively changed. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I do. I still do speaking. That's my call. Uh, so I do two different talks. I do talks to uh, the staff about how they can be more meaningful and purposeful within their work. Um, I also do talk with uh, men, women, children, young people, whoever it is that may be struggling or stuck within their lives. Um, I also now have training packages, uh, and then training packages can either be uh, for managers about how they can better support their staff teams, and then we've also got staff teams about how they can, um, to staff teams, how they can better support the clients that they're supporting, yeah? So I do those kind of training packages, but what else has kind of happened now as well is uh, people are now pulling me in to do more consultancy work. Uh, so there's a, a private company at the moment called, uh, I won't say the name of it because it's still in the, uh, <laughs> in the United. A private uh, company. Yeah. A private company, but what they're doing is they're bidding for uh, prisons within the UK. They also run some of the private probations, uh, but they also have got uh, prisons and uh, stuff in America and Australia. Uh, and they're now talking to me about doing consultancy work on the training, uh, recruitment training uh, of the uh, staff within their uh, services. Wow. So when did you start this business? I know you said you, you were like went part time. How long has it been? Like four years? Is it what, three years? No, 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 no. So it's uh, so I, I what, what year are you in now? 2019. <laughs> 2019. So I, I went full time January 2017. So 2017, right. I went uh, full time. Uh, so it would have been summer, uh, say 17, not. So it would have been summer 2016 when I actually uh, uh, set the business up. So th pretty much three years. Yeah, be three. Well, be three years full time. Yeah, three years. Yeah, two and a half years part time, six months full time. So what? What specifically led you to prisons, though? So uh, I got an interesting past. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just kind of do it. I'll, I'll, I'll high level, high level. High level, yeah. I'll give you a little 60 seconds. That's what I kind of do. So, so how I always say to people is like the, the other part of my life is I was born into the system. What I mean by that is social services were there from the day I was born. Uh, what happened was because of my life experiences, I responded negatively in my behaviour and that set me down a path uh, which put me into full-time care. Uh, but also as well, because of my trauma, 
yeah, because it's all about trauma. I've responded negatively in my behaviour. But my behaviour got punished and criminalised at a very young age. Uh, I'll give a chronology of events. We love chronologies in the criminal justice system. Uh, so what I always explain to people is I was born born in the care system. I uh, born into the care system. So social services were there from the day I was born. Uh, but I was living at home. But what happened was I responded negatively in my behaviour linked to the uncomfortability of being at home. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, because of my behaviour, it kind of got punished and criminalised. Uh, and the chronology of events like this, uh, I was in, uh, um, I went into uh, full-time care at 11, spout from school at 11, first criminal conviction at 11, first custodial at 14, secure units at 14, secure units at 15, and second custodial sentence at the age of 14, 15. And I called that the full stop of my childhood. I then ended up spending eight years of my life behind the prison wall. I've developed a dependency on heroin, spent time on the streets, and just become a very, very broken person. Um, until in 2006, I went through a fundamental shift, and then I ended up turning my life around. And at that point, I had no qualifications and no work history. And what I did within a tw- uh, seven-year period, I went, I educated myself for the equivalent of a degree and getting a leadership and management qualification. Uh, and I also went from two hours a week volunteering to then being a service manager within Port City Council and Public Health overseeing a staff team of 40 to reduce health inequalities to the most deprived area of the city I grew up within. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. I mean, but you say that you went through a like life-changing kind of uh, experience in 2006. Was it 2006? 2006, yeah. What, what, yeah. what sort of prompted that or what was the trigger point to that? Do you know? You um, obviously know, no, but... Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so, so there's a lot of things, yeah. So they talk about rock bottoms, yeah. Uh, so I call what I had in 2000, I had what I call a physical rock bottom. Yeah, so I was in Winchester prison, just about to start a four-year prison sentence. I was coming off heroin, crack, cocaine, alcohol, benzos. I was just a complete wreck of a man. Yeah, um, But what happened was that kind of prompted me <clears throat> to then start to look at what it was that I needed if I wanted to change. Yeah, So uh, if you're an Indian, does any sort of spiritual stuff, uh, there's a bloke called Dr. Wayne Dyer, and he talks about shifts. We have shifts. Uh, and it was kind of a bit of a shift. <clears throat> so what happened at that point, it was the first time I started to engage with any kind of support to help me. Uh, and that's one of the strap lines which I have within the system. So I will say it's not the system that rehabilitates, it's individuals that work within it. Uh, but because I was so fundamentally broken, yeah, I mistrusted everyone and everything. Yeah, So I had to sort of like go to a system that I felt was my perpetrator to then get help to be fixed which isn't an easy thing mm. to do. Uh, so what happened was <clears throat> I went through a process in the six years of what I call stopping and starting, stopping and starting. Uh, and in 2005, I probably had what I call a spiritual rock bottom. Yeah, spiritual rock bottom. Uh, and the reason for that was because I didn't fit in the new world, yeah, because I just couldn't quite make them changes that I needed. But I also didn't fit in my old world, yeah. So it became a very, very lonely place. And when I talk about spiritual rock bottom, what I always explain about is a candle, yeah. So when you've got a candle, you've got a flame. Imagine that candle, yeah, it's just about to go out, yeah. There's only a little flicker of it left. And that was kind of me, yeah. I was just sort of like, every day I'd wake up and just didn't want to be awake, just wanted to die, couldn't live another day, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, but then what happened is, uh, and I've got this in my book, which is all called Unconscious Incarceration, that you can order on Amazon, just type in Get Jones Unconscious Incarceration. I'm cutting that out. Stop selling your stuff. <laughs> 
but I have written a book and within the book I talk about sort of like the shift and the change um, and what happened was I was walking down a road uh, Elm Grove in Southsea uh, and I bumped into a lady called Joe Purdy that's been working with me for quite a long period of time uh, and she literally just said to me are you okay me being me just went you and we uh, and then she just looked at me and she could see that I wasn't. And all she said was, Geffen, you need to go and book yourself in somewhere. Yeah, that's all she said. But for the first time in my entire life, yeah, I heard what she said and I trusted in what she said. Now I explain it to people. It's like I had all of these pieces of the jigsaw and they all came together and it spelled one word, which was action. Yeah, and what I realized at that point was nobody was going to change me. The only person that could change me was me, but it was, or I had all of these other people around me that could help support my process. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how it all kind of shifted. And what I kind of call that, and I got it from somebody else, a bloke called Steve years ago, and I heard him talk, so I always kind of give credit to other people as well. And he called it the gift of desperation. And that's what I believe. I had the gift of desperation on that day. I was so desperate, I'd rather be dead than alive. And then it happened. I mean, that's amazing that in 13 years, you've gone from that such a desperate state that you were in to now, you know, potentially consulting with private companies on how to help them fix the system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I was going to ask you what's your kind of like been your highlight of starting your business. I mean, I think you've probably got a few because I know some of the stuff that you've been doing but yeah what's can you name one real highlight or are there too many what what, what would you say um you know what this is why it sounds really corny yeah uh but for me it's about sort of like uh inspiring change yeah so i went off to a, an event yesterday in london yeah and i'm not saying this was going to do me but i went off to this event in london uh which is all to do with the criminal justice and then this fellow called mark come up to me he's got Yes, and I just want to shake your hand. And I went, all right. He goes, uh, you might not remember. He goes, uh, but I, I heard you speak at Grendon, yeah, Grendon Underwood, which is a therapeutic prison. So he's already doing some therapeutic work whilst he was there. Yeah, but then when I saw him yesterday, he's at this event, okay, uh, and he's also now started to volunteer and do some work with a charity called the Prison Reform Trust. Yeah, uh, and when I kind of see him doing that, yeah, that is where I'll get my biggest pleasure and pride from, yeah, because if I really truly want to create any kind of change, you have to have a momentum, yeah. Mm. So, what I always talk about is like, yeah, I'm not unique, there's many, many people like me, yeah, that are doing some amazing things across the system. So, yeah, so the more people that we can kind of release. Um, from being trapped within the system. I always call it being trapped. Um, and then they start to have impact in their own individual areas. That's where we can start to change public perception on the value of those people trapped within the system. So, so it might sound really corny, but that's, that's my biggest achievement, yeah, because I can kind of think to myself, you know, he's now back with his family. He's sort of like seeing his children. Do you know what I mean? He's doing good in the community. Do you know, so in itself, that's that's the biggest reward yeah i mean i think that's amazing considering some of the stuff i know that's happened to you and you've done in the last sort of year or so i think that's you know that's your whole purpose behind your business isn't it so yeah when you get stuff like that it just makes you feel really like you're making progress making progress it's funny actually uh because um uh i I kind of like uh i I went to go into business with somebody else yeah and uh and and there was a little bit of a uh something wasn't kind of quite working 
Yeah, uh, you, you kind of know this. We don't need to kind of explain it all, but but um, but I, 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 if, 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 if anybody watching, yeah, right, is uh, look up Doctor Wayne Dyer. Yeah, and he's a spiritual teacher. Yeah, he's absolutely amazing, and he got this uh, film called The Shift. Yeah, uh, and it and it absolutely just summarises everything. Uh, so what it is is he's also uh, linked to Jungian theory. Yeah, so I do a lot of stuff about. I know a lot of stuff around theory in relation to Jung. Freud, Eric Byrne, lots of other different peoples. Uh, but what Jung, Jungian theory used to say, yeah, is that we go through shifts within our lives. And they call it the morning and the afternoon of your life. And what he talks about, he says, what is what it was true and meaningful to you in the morning, yeah, can, can become an after, a lie in the afternoon and evening of your life. Yeah, and how he kind of explained it is when you're kind of young, yeah, it's very much about ambition. Yeah, it's about profit. It's about gaining wealth and all of this sorts of stuff. Yeah. Uh, he said, and then what happens is sometimes with him, not everybody, but sometimes with him, like, yeah, you have a shift where it then becomes more about meaning and purpose. Yeah. So what is my true meaning and what is my purpose on this earth? Yeah. Uh, and so like, and when he kind of explained it, I absolutely got where it was. And then I kind of saw as well where the class was, was between sort of like who my business person or time was, because we were in different parts of the day. He's in the morning, I'm in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's nothing, and his truth is his truth, and there's nothing wrong with that because it's true. Yeah. And my truth is the truth. Yeah. So it's kind of the right thing to be able to do. But what Wayne Dyer also talks about, and I believe this as well. So when I first had my changes, yeah, like people used to say to me, and saying it's called, you can only keep what you have by giving it away. Yeah. Okay. It's about what you give. Yeah. You can only keep what you have by giving it away. And what Wayne Dyer talks about, because he was also a, uh, a professor and doctor and all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. Is what happened was when he let go of the once for more. Yeah. He ended up getting far more than he ever needed. Yeah. yeah. But then yeah. what he did, he was quite a philanthropist. He kept on giving more stuff away. And the more stuff he was giving away, the more wealth he increased, you know, and, uh, uh, and, and it's, and, and, you know, and I have that same kind of belief because it's like people go, oh, you do really well. You do really well. How, how do you get all this sort of stuff? And I'm like, I'll just kind of give. And then. <laughs> that actually leads quite nicely onto a segue actually, because I was going to ask you, because I know that you spend a lot of time, not just doing paid work, but you give a lot of your time up as well. Don't you? On particular yes. projects so how do you you must get asked all the time to be doing stuff so how do you what do you do you just do more of your speaking or do you how what kind of volunteer kind of giving work do you do and how do you decide what to do because you must just have it be inundated with 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 requests yeah so yeah so if, if i've got time well to be honest with you, i've got a pa <laughs> that really helps yeah. that's so, uh, smart business sense though pardon that's smart business but no, but, sense yeah it's smart business sense but, so what it is is one thing I always give yeah is I'll speak to anybody yeah so I'll get lots and lots of requests where people just say uh, can I have a conversation yeah and I'm not never trying to sell them anything I'll say yeah yeah and, and then I'll kind of uh, put them on to Jane and then she kind of sorts out sort of like uh be having a 30 minute call with and all that sort of stuff. It's quite funny actually, that sort of thing as well. I don't hold any resentment because I'm not that situation, do you? But I've had a few like uh, uh, professional speakers 
yeah, who wanted to be professional speakers come to me for advice and support. Uh, so what I did is I freely give them that advice and support and everything like that. Um, and then what's happened is I found out later on is that they start they start to uh, block me on all social medias and they don't engage really in my content. And they're kind of doing well. And I'm like, well, what's that? And I think it's because you get these people to see everybody as competition, you know, but we're not in competition. There's enough for everybody, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so, I believe but, that as well, totally. Yeah. And, yeah. and some people say to me, so why do you keep giving your time then? I go, well, because I do. It's not going to stop me from doing that, you know, because that's something I always do. So so I'm always happy to speak to anybody that's on a journey and give them tips, ideas, blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, I'm also uh, a trustee for two charities, okay? Uh, and, and two charities is my maximum that I can kind of do uh, because it's another thing. It's a, it's a time, yeah? Because so, it is kind of sort of like supporting the running of a business. A charity is pretty much like a business. <clears throat> but both of those are linked to sort of like what is my true passion. Uh, so one of them is, uh, <coughs> sorry, uh, is, is for um, uh, young people that offers diversionary activities. Uh, so diversionary activities is maybe taking somebody sailing, rock climbing, kayaking, or all that sort of stuff, just to be given them experiences that they wouldn't usually get because they're born into a, a life of poverty and they don't go and get the same sort of stuff. Uh, usually as well, lots of these young people as well, because of their environment, they're not doing well academically. Uh, so what these opportunities well get them to sort of like see their own other skills, the other skills that they got that sort of actually will support them better in life. Yeah. Yeah. How many people use their GCSEs or blah, 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 you know? So, yeah, so I kind of do that one. Uh, and then the other charity is, so that's called SECO, S-E-H-C-O. Uh, and then the other one is a, is a charity called Flying Solo. Uh, and Flying Solo is for care leavers. Yeah. And so that is massively important to me. So Care Leavers, uh, the Care Leavers charity is for once statutory responsibility ends. So if somebody's in care, at the age of 21, the corporate parent disappears. If they're in education or got learning difficulties, they disappear at the age of 25. They're then left on their own, yeah, flying solo, yeah? Mm. Uh, but what happens is, say like if you've got children, yeah, is they may leave home at 21, yeah, or 25. But then what happens is things might happen in their life in the future, yeah, and then they'll come back home and stay with mum and dad for a year, two years, whatever, and get themselves. Can leavers don't have this, yeah, they don't have that network and support there. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to create and cultivate a, a, a wider network, yeah, where we all find support and, and nurture mm-hmm. each other, yeah. Um, the other thing as well, why this is really important to me is, uh, and I always put these stats out there, is care leavers make up just 1% of the population of the UK, just 1%. They make up 40% of the young person's prison estate. And they make up 26% of the adult prison estate. Wow. So what we've got at the moment is we've got a care system where we see a vulnerability. So we safeguard them and put them into the care. They then respond negatively in their behavior linked to their trauma. We then punish and criminalize the behavior and then put them into another system. Yeah, so a lot of the stuff I do within Flying Solo is one about supporting them ones there as well, them the young people there but also using sort of like uh, 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 whatever you want to call it, my presence to be able to kind of highlight the issue so that actually we can change it so we don't keep getting these young people going down that path. Yeah, yeah. Use your, using your voice too and your yeah. experience and everything to kind of yeah. try and make some change. Make some change, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I mean, obviously you've, 
you've had a pretty <laughs> interesting life, to say the least. Uh, well, I always learn something when I talk to you, Gethin. So, um, See, what do you think of the beard? Though, like, I've got a beard. What do you think? Uh, it's great. <laughs> it's a bit. It's a bit grey. There's a bit too much white in there. Yeah, they call that. What they call that? Somebody said it was a really quite good word the other day. It's kind of like wise, but not wise. Distinguished. Distinguished. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're George Clooney-esque without any hair <laughs> oh, uh, anyway okay so what's next what's happening next on the Geffen Jones horizon so going back to my old business partner because I learned loads from him as well yeah he's, he's you know phenomenal yeah is because when I set up the business yeah is is how we kind of always explain it yeah is I was just good at what I do like a painter and decorator is just good at what they do then what happens is you set up a business yeah because you want more time and you want more kind of money to do, to do blah 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 and then what happens over a period of time is you've got less time you've got less money because you don't know about being a businessman uh, and he kind of taught me a lot about how to kind of become a businessman but also about having a goal at what the end of it is like uh, so at the moment is uh, I'm looking at creating uh, uh, getting uh, uh, free central gov uh, contracts from the Ministry of Justice uh, so that'll be working across prisons and probation uh, which will give me an opportunity to open three offices across the UK uh, one south uh, one in the Midlands one in the north of the country and then I can also recruit and develop other people that can deliver what it is that I deliver they would be people that have got an experience like mine or they might be great uh, prison officers support workers social workers you know just other people that really understand that cohort uh, I'm also looking at creating a personal development program which supports change as well which is linked to my book uh, and then I'll be training up other people to facilitate that as well so what my long-term plan is um, uh, within the next three to five years uh, what I plan to be able to do is have a business that works without me okay so it's right. a business that works without me okay so what it which is I'd have all of these processes systems, there'd be different managers within managing each of the offices that we'd be doing, taking care of all of the contracts, the delivery, blah, blah, blah. Then what that's going to do is that's going to give me a financial freedom, yeah, because that's what I'm looking for is the financial freedom so that I can actually better use my time where I feel it is needed most. Uh, so what I want to be able to do is I want to get more involved more in the political arena in relation to policy, strategy and legislation in relation to the care system and the criminal justice system. Uh, and I'll just kind of tell you on this quick story as well. And, uh, so Geffen Jones MP before long, is it? I'm not yeah. going to be an MP. No, I won't be an MP, but I'll be sort of like, uh, I'll be like uh, the go-to person to be able to influence what kind of happens. I don't want to be an MP. So you're going to uh, lobby government, basically. I'll be lobbying government. Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you this, this, uh, uh, this uh, I heard this story many years ago, yeah, because you get lots of people from my background, yeah, and what they do is they're always waving banners, yeah. This is not right, this is not right. At work, yeah. Um, so what happened? There was an American Indian many, many years ago, yeah. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to make this land sacred, yeah, for his tribe. Uh, but what he knew was that he couldn't beat the white man uh, through uh, because of the gun and everything else like that. So what he did was he kind of went off and started to get himself educated, yeah. And he got himself educated so that he got himself into university. Then once he kind of gone through university and he studied politics and everything like that as well, he then got himself into the center. 
And then whilst he was in the Senate, he then put through uh, 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 legislation to make this land sacred to his tribe, and it got the go. Yeah. Uh, so that moral of that story is if you truly want to affect and make change, you need to get in there with it. Yeah. So I'll get lots of my friends that go, yeah, but you sold out like death. And I'll say, yeah, look, but listen, yeah, listen to this. When you see me in my nice three piece suit with my tie on, always remember that underneath is an anarchist t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's good advice, though. I mean, that is good advice, that you can't just keep kind of shouting. It's not about... I think we see it all the time at the moment, don't we? It's about who shouts the loudest, but nobody is actually offering practical solutions to how we're actually going to solve problems because, you know, people seem to think they haven't got any responsibility for coming up with the solutions. So I think, you know, possibly if our government worked a little bit more... In that way, we might not be in quite the state that we're in today. Because um, it's funny, yeah, so all governments talk to us, yeah, this is businesses, public sector, they always talk about collaboration, yeah. When do they collaborate? They just scream at each other, yeah. There's no <laughs> collaboration. There's no cross-party politics. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll kind of give you a little set on. I do this with teams as well, and link with this. So I always say this thing, no, no, when they say there's no I in team. Yeah, but I'll say, but there's three eyes in personal responsibility. And what is it that you're going to do to make this team better? Yeah, so that's what I always do with teams. And why, when I, when I, when I, when I talk to sort of like men or staff or anything like that, and you know, and they're always doing the finger pointing, yeah, it's that blaming, shouting, blaming, yeah. I say, always remember when you're pointing the finger at somebody, there's three fingers pointing back at you, yeah. They're the three eyes, yeah. So, what is it I can do? and take personal responsibility on to make this different, yeah? Do you know what? I had, a teacher at, I had a teacher at school that used to say that when you point the yeah. finger, there's three pointing back at me, but I never <laughs> thought of it in terms of this, you know, the eyes of, you know, I and, and that I and resp- personal responsibility. I think that's really, uh, really good point, actually. So, I mean, th- and the thing is, I think, yeah, you're right. When people sort of see that you're running a business and, you know, Social media makes always makes people think that things are way more, you know, everything is fabulous. Everything is, yeah. you know, look at Gethin. He's all over the place. He's at number 10. He's has the parliament. But they haven't seen the like, well, A, the, the years from age 11 up to <laughs> no, 2006 no. or whatever. Um, and they haven't seen all the hard graft that you've put in over the last few years either, have they? No, no. Uh, just to let you know, I've got five seconds left on what five, five, five percent left on my battery. Okay, all right then. <laughs> so, let, let me just say this quickly. <laughs> so, so I may as well. Yeah. So, uh, I think we had this conversation before. You get it loads of times here yeah, where people will go to a business owner that's kind of got millions and millions already successful. They go, "Oh, they're so lucky. They're so lucky." Yeah, but what they don't see is the 15, 16 hour days that they've been doing, you know, for the last three to five years. Yeah. So I always say with business, and then we talk about a thing called compounding, and Les Brown talks about this. Les Brown is an amazing motivational speaker, and he talks about the story of the bamboo. Yeah. So with the bamboo plant, yeah, when you plant the seed, yeah, and you put it into the ground, it takes five years, yeah, for that to come through the ground. Yeah. But you have to get up every single day and water that plant for five years. Yeah. So you're getting up every day, yeah, and you're watering that plant that nobody else is seeing. And then five years later, when it pops its head through, yeah, it can grow twenty meters in a couple of weeks. And then people are coming around going, Wow, you've got such great bamboo, yeah. And you think, yes, yeah, because I've just <laughs> watered it for the last 
five years. <laughs> yeah, while she was lying in your bed drinking your coffee. <laughs> so get out there, plant your seed and start watering it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, that's probably, as you've got 5% left on your phone, and <laughs> that's probably, like, a good place to end them, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. and, I, and I know that you want to go off paddleboarding, so I think, yeah. uh, I think that um, that's probably a good place to end. <laughs> well... I've really enjoyed doing this podcast and I hope you'll get to do many more in the future. Tune in next week where we'll have more inspirational stories talking about moving your business beyond what it is and moving it more towards what you're in business for, what's important and doing good and changing the way things should be done.